This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good morning. It's good to see all of you out here on a Sunday morning. Glad you made it. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up, our ushers would gladly get you one. And we are going to start on honor today. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 8 is where we'll begin. Uh, Just to give you just some thought here where we're going the next few weeks. Uh, Honor is weaved in and out of the Bible. You see it over and over and over again. We're to honor authority. We're to honor our parents. We're to honor in marriage. We're to honor socially. We're to honor our bosses. And so what, what you find out here is when we honor what God says to honor, there's a blessing. But within our society, we hadn't taught on honor. And because we hadn't taught on honor what honor truly is in God's eyes, we don't understand the consequences that go when we dishonor what God says to honor. Now, God is a rewarder. God loves to compensate even when we do right things. God says, man, I'm going to bless you. So every time there's an opportunity for me and you to walk in honor, There's a blessing or a reward attached to it, okay? So, these upcoming weeks, we're really going to hit different areas of honor just throughout the Word of God. Now, the focus today is this. I've I've got to let the Word of God teach me. Not society, not mankind. I've got to allow God's Word to teach me. So, we begin in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 15. Being excited about the Word of God is permitted in here. Amens are permitted in here. Omis are permitted in here. So again, we can be excited about the Word of God. Verse 15. By me or through me, kings reign or kings are established. And rulers decree justice. Now, I want you to hold thought to to the word rulers there. Because several times this morning you'll see in scriptures rulers. He goes on to say, verse 16. By me or through me, princesses rule and nobles, which are officials, all the judges of the earth. Now, if you'll get the the heart of God right there. He said, through me. That I am establishing people. And he said specifically right here, on earth. Now, we know when we get to heaven, God's going to be in charge, but God delegates authority right here on earth. And if you'll notice, he said, through kings, through rulers, through nobles, all the different ones. Now, this is where it becomes interesting for me and you, is every one of those who just mentioned, those are human beings. And if you hadn't figured out about human beings, human beings make bad decisions at times. Doesn't mean God makes bad decisions. God is the one who authorized some things here. So go with me to the book of Romans chapter 13. Now what this does here is this is cross-reference. This is where we're going. That we just weave in and out of the Bible to get God's heart on the area. Even of, of honor. When I honor God directly. Which is the hymn. Or I honor God indirectly, which is toward the authority he's placed here on earth. Again, there's going to be blessings. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul. Now just with that statement right there, that's every one of us in this room. 
Let every soul, no exceptions or no exemptions, let every soul be subject or submitted to the governing authorities. Some translations say right there, for the civil authorities. The Amplified says to be loyally subject. So if I'm, be, if I'm to be submitted to the governing authorities, that means i got to honor them. And the only way I show I'm submitted to them is by my obedience outwardly, but also my attitude or my heart, which is inwardly. So if you'll note right here, he said, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. To do that, you've got to place honor upon that office. The word honor is rooted in reverence and respect. So to honor authority is to submit to authority. Again, the only way that's revealed is through my actions and my attitudes. Keep reading here. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, right here, Paul does not suggest that God approves of a corrupt government or ungodly officials. But he is telling us right here that all authority on this earth is stamped by Father God. Again, we're going to learn this biblically today. On the heart of God in this passage. Verse 2. Therefore whoever resists or rebels the authorities. Resists or rebels the ordinance of God. You know what the Amplified says there? It says you set yourself against what God has appointed. Now. A great point with this right here this morning is. You can resist authority. You can reject authority, okay? As, as a human being, you can do that. But I must understand there are consequences for going against authority. What are those consequences? Just look at the last part of verse 2. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. There will be a punishment upon themselves. There is a penalty that's due. So again, I have the choice right here. Do I obey what God says or do I do not obey it? Verse number three. For rulers, there's that word that we saw in, in Proverbs eight fifteen. For rulers are not a terror to good works or good conduct, but to evil or bad behavior. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then do what is good and you will have praise from the same or you will have honor upon honor. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain or useless. So now he's talking about there's got to be some form of punishment. He goes on to say, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Now the reason he does that is for the purpose to refrain 
people from evil and even retribution. Just think about this in this sense. We have certain laws in our society, and those laws are, are presented there for us to set a standard for this is how I live. But if I, broke those, if I break those standards, there's going to be punishment. Can you imagine a world or a city without any rules or guidelines? Can you imagine how chaotic this would become? And so again, God stamps his approval on authorities. Verse 5. Therefore, you must. You may want to underline that. You must be subject or submitted, not only because of wrath or to escape punishment, but also for the conscience sake. Now, when he talks about here the conscience sake, the conscience has to do something with your heart. And so he's telling us here, for us to live a clear conscience, you've got to be subject to those authority. How many of before you've ever got to do, before you've ever thought about doing something wrong, something within your heart begins to prick you? Almost warning you to say, don't do that. If you're getting ready to tell a, a little lie, don't do that. Well, again, when I obey the, the authorities that God has established, it helps me to walk with a clear conscience. I want you to remember that thinking because it comes back into play later on this morning. Verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Now, when he says they're God's ministers, he says this three times. Twice in verse 4 and once in verse 6. When he talks about ministers, he's literally telling us, these are God's servants right here on earth. Verse 7. Render therefore to all their due. If you owe them taxes, then pay them taxes. If you owe them customs or revenue, then pay them revenue. If you owe them fear or respect, then give fear. If you honor them, to whom honor So again, he begins to tell us right here, and this is Jesus, or this is the Apostle Paul saying here, he directs him to pay taxes, and when he wrote this, this was to the Roman government. And the Roman government was was certainly not pure or righteous, but yet he goes ahead and tells us, I've got to follow these. I've got to follow these examples, these principles that are found in the Word of God. Now turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and the thing is with this, when you oppose the, the, the God's delegation or God's authority, we've got to understand this, we're literally opposing God. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, Ooh, and let this speak to your heart. Verse 1, therefore I exhort you, or I encourage you, or I urge you, first of all, that supplications, which are petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, when he talks about supplications and prayers and, and intercessions, those are all forms of prayer. The word intercede means for us to plead or mediate for mercy on behalf of people. 
That's why it's important as believers, we learn to pray for others. But if you'll notice in verse 1, he said, and also of giving thanks. Of giving thanks. Now, this is important that we see this. Because this becomes the, the, the blueprint for my life that God desires for every one of us. Now, he jumps a little different here in verse 2 and he says, For kings and all who are in authority. For kings and for all who are in positions and authority. So now we go back to verse 1. And we are to pray for those kings and those ones who are in authority. Let me ask you something right now. If you had to give yourself a grade on how well you pray for people that are in authority, what type of grade would you give yourself? Huh. There's times in my life if I've flunked, and I've flunked miserably. Because I find out human nature, it's easier for us to, to complain and bellyache about it than pray. And the next part, he says, and giving thanks. And giving thanks for kings and those who are in authority. Now, i got to fall back and look and say, how well do I give thanks? How well have I done that? Now, the point of this is right here, you don't have to pray for them. You don't have to give thanks for them. You can talk junk about them all you want. You can talk about how sorry they are. But understand this. There are consequences and rewards for doing that or not doing that. Now watch here in verse 2 what he tells us. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. You want to live a quiet and peaceable life? I don't know about you, but I do. I want to live that way. And he specifically says, if you'll pray for them and give thanks for them, that this is what the reward of that will be. Now, note in there, he didn't say, pray for them and give thanks for them if you voted for them. He didn't say, give thanks for them and pray for them if you agree with them. He didn't say that if you like them. Here's a better one. He didn't say, give thanks for them and pray for them if they're Democrats or Republicans. Now, I didn't write this, okay? So if you don't like it, tough. Again, this is where the church has gotten off. And so it's really, 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 really easy to complain and bellyache in our society. But when I live the way God wants me to live here, stuff happens. Now he ends this verse and he says, in all godliness, you know what godliness is? Living how God wants us to or God desires us. In all godliness and reverence. And when I see reverence there, that has to do with honor. And so when Paul wrote this command right here to pray for those in authority and to give thanks, 
The leader of the government that he was under that time was a man named Nero. And Nero was known for hating Christians. Nero hated them so bad he had them butchered, he had them beheaded, and he loved to feed them to animals. But yet the Apostle Paul said, if you'll pray for them and you'll give thanks for them, You'll live a quiet and peaceable life. Now, I'm going to boomerang that back on you here just for a second. Is your life kind of chaotic and messy right now? Does it seem like there's a lot of turmoil? So now I have to ask myself this question. Have I resisted what God said to do in His Word? Now again, we're not talking to the world here. We're talking to Christians. We're talking to believers. So once again, does the Bible set the standard high? Yes, it does. And sometimes I've found out the Bible is incredibly, annoyingly accurate. But I either obey it or I disobey it. Verse 3. For this is good... And accepting in the sight of God our Savior. This is good and acceptable in God's sight. So this is how I view this right here. When I obey what the Word of God says, you know what God does? He applauds. That's my boy. That's my girl. Why? Because we obey Him. And remembrance, the, remember the only way that I show God that I'm truly submitted to God is the way I obey God. See, it's easy to say I'm a Christian. It's easy to say I do this and do this for God or I do that. But the proof of the pudding's always in the eating. You know what that means? God looks for my actions. Do my talky-talky line up with my walkie-walkie? Verse 4. Well, that's a deep revelation, wasn't it? God's desire is that all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So when we obey what God says right here, it's for the church's welfare and also for the advancement of the gospel. It's exactly what that said. Something happens when we begin to obey God in this area and we begin to stand on His Word and say, you know what? I'm going to live how God desires me to. Now, let me give you a little statement here today that I really believe will help you. All authority is of God. But not all authority is godly. Hmm. So when we say that right there, there's some that will exalt evil, and there's some that will suppress good. But yet God puts his thumbprint of approval or authority on every one of us. This was God's idea. Remember what we read there. He said, all authority is from God. So for me to be under authority, I've got to be in authority. And I can't bypass that. So I read all these, 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 these passages here, and I'm studying these lines, and I think, okay, we hear the Scriptures, but is there anywhere in the Bible that gives me a great illustration of this? Yeah, 
Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel 24, and in this passage, you're going to see how a man or a woman of God is to walk this out. This is one of the most incredible passages in the Bible. Now, to set the table before you, this is a, a man named David, King David. He's a young man at this time in his life, and he was anointed to be the next king. He wasn't the king, but he was the anointed next king. The problem with this is, the king that was over him was a man named Saul. Saul hated David's guts. Saul wanted to kill David. Now, when Saul started out, Saul was godly, but Saul began to disobey God. And here's where it's even a little more interesting. Saul was David's father-in-law. So now we got a king and a future king. And how well does the future king submit to the king? And God himself said this about King David. He said, he's a man after my own heart. Now, he just didn't say that. About, There's a reason you get the title, a man after God's own heart. The only way I become a man after God's own heart is I live the way God wants me to. And I obey. So now we begin to see here, King David is in a great, great situation in his life. Because for the next 14 years of his life, you know what he does from the, uh, the king, the one in authority, Saul? He runs, he flees. And he hides for 14 years. So I put myself in the story. And I think, well, I'm the next anointed king. So you know what ought to happen? In order for me to become the king, why don't I eliminate the one who is the king? But it doesn't work that way. Now watch what we learned from King David in this. This is powerful. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engadai. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all of Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So Saul gets 300 men and they're going to find David in, in Gadai. Now they're not going there to, to, to give him a surprise party, okay? And they're not there to tell him his First Amendment right. The reason Saul is going there is he wants to kill him. So now I'm back in the story. I know this guy who's the king, who's in authority. He's tracking me down and he wants to kill me. Verse 3. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. Now, remember when you turn over 50, don't ever pass up a bathroom, okay? That's a rule. So this is what's happening right here. That's the story swan paraphrased edition, okay? So David and his men, all 600 of them, were staying in the recesses of the cave. This is a big cave. 600 men in there, and they're back in there, and Saul doesn't know they're in there. And they're watching him, and they're seeing him come in. Now, David's men, these 600, they hated Saul. They couldn't stand Saul. 
So these guys are licking their chops. They're saying, whoa, look at this. Verse 4. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you. Behold, I will deliver your hand into your enemy, that he may do to him as it seems good to you. Now let me just tell you this right here. God didn't say that, all right? That was their interpretation. So now he's running with these guys, and you know what they're telling him? Look at the opportunity. Look how vulnerable he is. Better stated, kill him before he kills you. So now I'm in the back of the cave and I'm thinking, what do I do here? This guy's tracked me for 14 years of my life. What do you do? Now here's a thought for you right quick. If I allow the, the, the news media to make my decisions for me, it's not going to be good. I don't care if it's CNN, Fox, I don't care what it is. And if I'm allowing late night TV to make my decisions for me, not going to be good. And if I allow the voices from Holly Weird to make my decisions for me. See, this is why it's very important to listen to what the Word of God says. Because there's going to be a society that will try to get every one of us in this room to compromise the things of God. And they will squeeze us and pressure us to say, this is right and this is wrong. But what happens is I'm either going to do it God's way or I'm going to do it man's way. So watch what happens. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. As I read that, why did he cut off the corner of his robe? Why didn't he just kill him? I, I really wonder this, is if he's listened to his men over and over saying, kill him, kill him, slit his throat. And David is approaching him, and I really believe the Spirit of God rose up in him and began to deal with his heart. And so David cuts off a little corner of his robe. Why would he cut off a little corner of his robe? Could that be the proof to look at King, King Saul and say, I could have killed you. I could have diced you and sliced you any way I wanted, but I didn't. But this is where it makes an interesting turn. Look at verse 5. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And, and look here, it didn't say his, his flesh convicted him. It said something happened within his heart. And remember, this is a man who's after God's own heart. And so I look at the cutting of the corner of this rope. That seems so small. But when there's any inward sign of rebellion, it's the same as an outward act of killing him. Remember? God sees the heart. And so it goes back to Romans 13 verse 5 where it said, we're to live with a clear conscience. 
What that literally means there in Romans 8, verse 14, it says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And then verse 16 says that the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit. So now, guess what? I've got to follow my heart. The day would come where Saul will have to stand before God for what he did. But the day will also come when David will have to stand before God and say, how well did you submit to the one I had in authority? See, that's the same for me and you. And man, it reveals the condition of my heart. Is my heart full of rebellion and defiance? Verse 7. So David restrained his servants with these words. And he did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went his way. David also arose afterward when he went out of the cave. And he called out to Saul saying, My Lord the King. Three thousand of Saul's men are on this side. David's six hundred men are on this side. And Saul's leaving and David comes out and he addresses him. And can you hear the honor? He said, my Lord the King. Now remember this about King David. He wasn't a sissy. This is the same King David who cut off Goliath's head. This is the same King David that when his life began to come to an end, God looked at him and said, you can't build my temple because you shed so much blood. Something happened within this man here. And you see honor and he says, my Lord, my King. But look at the outward obedience right here. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and he bowed down. Now we put ourselves back in the story. If I had a man who was tracking me for all these years, wanting to kill me, would I address him as my Lord, my King? If I came into his presence, would I stoop down to the ground and bow like he did? I, I can't imagine what it did to all those men who are watching this. But now you begin to see why the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. Because he said, you know what? I'm going to do when it seems so awkward and against the flow. I'm going to do what God would desire me to do. Verse 9, and David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks to harm you? That was a man named Doeg who did that. Looks this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my iron spared you. I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord. Now get this, listen to what he says. For you're the Lord's anointed. He looked past man. And he looked to God's anointed. Ooh, we see, we get, a, we get opportunities. I believe on a daily basis to show honor. 
daily basis. And one of the things we must do is we must say, Lord, grace us with the robe. Grace us with the, the, the attire of honor. Let honor come out of me toward people. Let honor come out of me toward my spouse. But even more so among the civil authorities. Now this is where it gets interesting right now in our society. I don't know how long you've been alive, but you can go back and look however long you've been alive and you can say this out of your mouth. Well, I like this president and I didn't like that one. I like this one and I didn't like that one. But again, God didn't say that. God said, pray for them. God said, honor them. I can tell you this right now. There's days I've stomped my foot just like this and I said, God, I don't like the way President Trump does this or this. I don't like the way he tweets and dishonors people. You know what I've prayed for him? I've prayed James 1.19 over him. I said, Lord, help him to be swift to hear and slow to speak. In other words, teach him to shut up. The bad thing about that is, how well am I doing? See, again, I'm not going to stand before God for what President Trump does. President Trump will stand before God. I'm going to stand before God based on Romans 13 where he says, how well are you going to honor him and how well are you going to pray for him? And I can get up there and I can look at God when he calls me to the judgment and say, God, I hated his tax plan. I hated it. That's not going to fly with God. It's not going to fly with him. And I'm not saying, let's hoot and holler for this president, but something happens when we as the body of Christ, we obey God. And when we don't obey God, we live in a, a, a corrupt a turmoil and a chaotic world. Man, I, I am preaching a lot better than you guys are amen. Here's the truth. is it, it bothers me in our society right now. I'm in my late teens. I'm not that old. But this in, this in America that that I want for all of us and our children. I'm not, I'm not trying to be politically correct, okay? I've thrown out out of the window. I'm trying to be Jesus correct. All right, let me keep going. Verse 11. Moreover, my father, see. Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that, I, I cut off the corner of your robe. And I did not kill you. No one see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. Now, evil and rebellion are a byproduct of dishonor. If there's evil and rebellion in your hand, understand, you're full of dishonor. Look what he goes on to say. And I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me. That's brilliant right there. And let the Lord avenge me or punish me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. So King David right here in this passage, he literally starts saying to a man who had made his life miserable, I will not dishonor you. That's between God. 
And so David would have dishonored God by dishonoring his anointed one named Saul. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 13. John chapter 13. Now let me just tell you about David. He ends up being becoming the king. You knew that. And he reigns Israel for 40 years. And the Lord says to him, you'll forever have part of your bloodline on the throne. God blessed him over and over in his life. I believe a lot of this stemmed from this right here where he said, I'm going to honor. I'm going to honor whom God says to honor. John 13, verse 20. Most surely I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now let's change that up a little bit. Everywhere in that verse where it says receives, let's just put in the word honor. Most surely I say to you, he who honors whomever I send honors me, and he who honors me honors him who sent me. So you look in this passage right here, King David, he didn't avenge himself, he allowed God to do it. So when you look at all this passage and everything we said, it, I'm either going to do it God's way, or I'm going to do it man's way. But as I read this here, I go back to one of the verses we start with. Oh, I want to live a quiet and peaceable life. I want God's hand to be upon me. And I believe that's for every one of us in this room. Now here's the homework assignment. Every time this upcoming week that you have an opportunity to complain, to bellyache. Why don't we stop and take a Jesus break and pray. Say, Father God, I pray that you, you give them wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you help them to govern well according to your appetites. And every time I get ticked off, what would happen if I just begin to say, Oh, Father God, I give them thanks. I give thanks for this person. Because as the church... We've got to live how God, He desires us. This is God's heart. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.